The opinions expressed on questions you didn't ask are those of the individual participants and do not reflect those of their respective employers and institutions. Welcome back to Questions You Didn't Ask with me, Naisha Frey, and my guests, Demetrius Hunter, Dr. Monique Gary, and Cameron Smith. As we continue the series, Harvesting Health Equity, Exploring Food Ways, Black Farming, and the Transformative Power of Food as Medicine. Let's get back into the conversation. Because we're on this in terms of like, what are the different things that we need, right? What are the things, like if we had to imagine, we know that we are in the the box that we live in is not suited for us to thrive. Right. And so in order for us to create a new reality, we have to start imagining and thinking outside of the box. There are some amazing researchers, specifically out of Durham, Vision of Wisdom, I'm thinking about, who uses a lot of imagination to help them to create community informed solutions to education issues. Right. So if we had to this is for my for my guests, Cameron, Monique and of course, Demetrius. What can funders and donors do differently to help advance your work? And this is real or imaginary. So, you know, um, I've been a bit critical of philanthropy for Mm -hmm. quite some time now. Mm -hmm. So the reality is what we're doing is not working. Mm -hmm. We've told, you know, I I often use this, tell people, in what world do you know as a Black woman that I can actually go to a funder, ask for $1 million, Mm -hmm. state that I'm going to have all these, accomplish all these goals and outcomes with fewer people dying, with fewer people getting sick, with fewer people being hospitalized, with fewer people uh, experiencing homelessness homelessness and mental health issues, and, and and that they would actually have more economic mobility. And after 12, 18 months, 24 months, come back and the situation has gotten worse. And then I ask for not one, not only another 1 million, but 5 million. And I get that. Mm-hmm. And I get accolades and applauses and everything else about the work that I've done. Well, that's white philanthropy. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> the reason why I say this it's because we're getting sicker. We're dying quicker. We're having more housing insecurity issues. We have way less economic mobility. Mm-hmm. We have more people self-medicating than we have. I mean, everything mm-hmm. that people are doing on behalf of black and brown people, where is the benefit? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not seeing it. Mm-hmm. And their own data is telling them what they're doing is not working. So mm-hmm. you're, me- you're, you're wasting billions upon billions of dollars annually. But because 98, 97 to 98% of those billions upon billions of dollars are going into the hands of majority white led, white accountable, white mm-hmm. created nonprofits, you're mm-hmm. okay with wasting that money. Mm-hmm. Secondarily, you, are, you aren't the ones having to bury people. Mm. You're not the ones having to go and, 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 and get mental health support for children because the dad blew his brains out and they walked in and they saw him on the floor dead. You're not mm-hmm. the ones having to deal with elder abuse. You're not the ones having to deal with people being displaced from their housing. You're not the ones 
having to deal with people who have mental health issues because they don't have what they need. And there's a disconnect. Mm -hmm. There's also a conflict of interest because if you look at how philanthropy got what it has gotten, it has gotten it off of stolen land, stolen people and stolen labor. Mm -hmm. So to put up all these parameters to tell Mm -hmm. me, to tell Dr. Monique, to tell Demetrius, to tell Naisha, whoever else, this is what you need to do in the community. And this is what we will fund. And this is the way we will fund it. What you know how to do as someone who's gained white wealth in on this land, in this nation, is recreate the same scenario for you to maintain, keep, and maintain that wealth. And get and a discount. nothing to do. Yes, yeah. thank you. <laughs> you, you, you. You preaching, though, because it was never in, intended for impact. It no, was it always wasn't. performative. Right. Mm. Otherwise, we'd have clean drinking water in Flint and folks wouldn't have mm. you know, the degree of lead poisoning that we see that's on the rise right now. But we can't oh, we, we can't manage that because, you know, we have to displace these folks and we don't have this. And it, 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 I can only speak for, you know, my 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 little piece of the pie in, in terms of oncology and, and the work that we try to do. A lot of the funding that comes from pharma goes to advocacy groups and it goes for health literacy campaigns and it goes for a lot of things that don't actually create uh, sustainable change. And mm-hmm. the, the ROI isn't met because it's not being measured in the right way, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and so I think even by design, when we look at these types of programs, you know, you're setting yourself up for uh, a pat on the back and for success by the wrong metrics rather than to look at mm. you know, what is truly moving the needle. And and I have to play a little devil's advocate, though, Cameron, to, to even myself and say that, you know, how can that ROI be measured? And is it measurable in our generation? Mm. Or is it generations from now? Like, how do we measure the success and the impact of this? How long does it take to 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 turn the tables on what we're seeing that's so structural and embedded? You know, like what are the surrogate endpoints there? And I don't, I don't know if I know the answer to that. But what I do know is that if we at least measure it by, you know, the number of sustainable projects that move forward and the number of community things that happen as a result of, let's say, people coming to this farm, what are the new programs that are started? What are the new grants that are being applied mm-hmm. for? What are the new? What are people growing? What is the actual impact of having a place where people come and learn food as medicine from a modular, curricular, scientific standpoint? And, and if anybody cares to measure that, then we're here to measure it and let's do the math, right? We can do that math. But mm-hmm. Dr. Monique, the good, beautiful thing about that is you're on the ground. You're the one dictating what needs to be measured. And I think that's that's the whole thing is let the communities, let the people that are actually mm-hmm. doing the work on the ground, do the measurement and decide what we need to heal and restore ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Instead of letting people who are wholly disconnected have mm-hmm. no idea anything about our culture, about our context, mm-hmm. how we talk, how we move, you know, even our, our more ways, our, our mores and ways of thinking and being just so disconnected from it, telling you what's best for the people that are coming to your farm and, and how what you success should looks like. Them. Yes, because you know that and your patients know that. Mm-hmm. And and how do we, yeah, like restorative justice through agriculture, exactly right. How do we do mm-hmm. that? Because that's a restorative model. And it also is healing for, for people who become to be known as white. Because being the savior is not a mm-hmm. healthy nor healing place. Ooh, that is not a good place. They need healing too. All of us need healing. And to mm-hmm. understand that black and brown people know how to take care of ourselves and putting yourself in the place of a savior has only made us sicker and sicker. And it's also doing something to you 
because mm. the health outcomes in terms of the overall health trajectory of even white Americans, they're getting sicker mm. because the system is so messed up that mm -hmm. the people at the bottom rung are extracting so many resources, which are our people, indigenous people, Latinx people. We're extracting so many resources that we can't even have a system that's operating at its full maximum potential. Mm -hmm. So just get out of the way and <laughs> quit trying to, you know, have this savior mentality. Save yourself first. Mm. Save yourself first. Because and my people, we, we, we're still breathing. We are still, we are still thriving. We're still surviving. And we have brains and we have people like Dr. Monique Gary, who's been able to graduate multiple iterations of university systems that you set up to, to, for us to fail mm. and to actually become a medical doctor. You know, we have have more than conquered in, in so many different ways, but we still need what was rightfully ours. And it's, it's power, the return of power to people to dictate their own outcomes in their mm. own communities and their own context. That's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And that's the healing right there. Ooh-wee. You preaching because we're going to have to save ourselves here. Mm -hmm. Ain't nobody else coming for us to save us. We all we got. We're all we got. And and we know that. And that's what our ancestors have taught us. And that's what that's what the powers, the white power structures and institutionalized racist, you know, folks, that's what they know too. That's why they keep locking our brothers up and locking our sisters up and trying to, you know, separate us and pull us apart and drive us crazy. It's because they know that we know that we're all we got. Right. And that we're the only ones that can save us. You guys are so awesome. And I haven't heard from Demetrius yet. And I'd love to hear from him. What would an ideal partner, partnership, collaboration look like for you that would allow you to optimize what you already know works and that is true? What, what would that look like? Um, that's a lot to unfold, but I would say, you know, healing, you know, having a healing space with people that are able to help heal the community. Mm -hmm. And being that doctors, dietitians, um, nutritionists, psychologists, people that are highly skilled in the the body, like in whole, you know, the whole body and mind and physical. Um, mm -hmm. Just so that we can, you know, get through that first part of, um, you know, healing thyself. Mm -hmm. And of course, ensuring that black farmers have the space that they need for those who desire to, to eat um, healthy, have a space to grow and to create those marketplaces and those avenues for economic development, black businesses, food and beverage makers to expand their, their production. And I, I mean, I, I really would love to see headquarters of these kind of conversations, like an office set up somewhere where people can come in and really 
have a conversation about where they are and, Mm -hmm. you know, a navigation map to Mm. become who they need to be because we, we have not had that time. You know, we, some of us work all the time. Like Mm -hmm. if you talk to people, a lot of people are working constantly, Mm -hmm. Uh, no rest, no Mm -hmm. time to heal, nothing. They just work just to pay the bills and eat whatever's in their community, rather it be McDonald's, Little Caesars. Mm -hmm. They don't have time to sit down and have a good meal. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's really real out here where mentally, I think we should have that time, you know, um, on the workspace, you know, just to leave the workspace and come talk to professionals that can really navigate us as a people and the educational, you know, I think education is another piece that needs to happen in our community as well. So these headquarters that I'm imagining in my mind with people that are professionals in their perspective, respective places, being able to give out that time so that we can help navigate individuals or group groups of people in the community to a better place mm-hmm. and and having the space like i said just to be able to um become food sovereign and um no longer no longer you know dependent upon the government mm-hmm. or the handouts from the nonprofits that mm-hmm. don't mean any good mm-hmm. there are some wonderful nonprofits out here that are giving out healthy foods that are um true meaningful and purposeful in our communities, but there are some that come to uh, make us Poverty pimp. pimping. Absolutely. And um, we need to get away from those individuals boycott. They're, they're worse than any other um, takers of our community um, because mm-hmm. they can come in and it looks like they're doing something, but they're actually destroying mentally and physically. So, um, you know, just just those things. I'm sure I could probably really think about them more in depth, but that's just the overall thought process right now of mm-hmm. what I'm feeling. You know, I'm listening to you all, and one of my imagination is going to a place where, you know, people who want to be close to that land are people <laughs> that we would be able to have access to land that we could own and that along the lines of what you were saying, Demetrius, that we would have navigators to show us the way, whether that's elders, healers, horticulturalists, to show us the way of how to uh, cultivate that land and make sure that it's healthy. If it's not healthy to clean it up, there's so much technology out in here and research about what we can do naturally to clean up our land and that once that happens whatever it is that you produce that you would be able to sell it at a affordable price to whoever wants to buy it and that there was some structure to back you up financially that those prices would not put you in a bad 
place mentally, emotionally, financially, that you would still be taken care of, that there would be some sort of collective, there would be some sort of reparations, some sort of financial backing that would allow you to do what needs to be done to cultivate the land, to be able to grow the food, grow the livestock, to be able to raise, uh, keep the waterways clean so that fishermen can do what they need to do and be able to bring those products to the community at a price that makes sense. And some of it is we just need to be cutting some of this these inflated prices out. Like this whole market structure and what it's demanding from us, regardless of if we have it or not, regardless of if it if it aligns with anybody's AMI, as Cameron said earlier, we need to cut that out. Somebody needs to say, look, that's a foul on the play. This is not reasonable for anybody because we're all sick, as we as we noticed. The statistics show it. And of course, black people are the sickest all the time. I want to so, jump in here and say Yeah, something. go right ahead. Real go quickly, right ahead. you know, what listeners to Demetrius talk about this, and, and, and even you, you know, I really appreciate including the physicians in this. And the reason why is because we're talking about you know, this sort of restoration and reparation that needs to happen. And there's a reckoning and a healing that needs to happen with the medical community. And mm. I talk to my my students about this all the time. I teach health equity at Dartmouth and I talk a lot about the fact that, you know, when we don these coats, whether we're people of color or not, when we put mm -hmm. this coat on, we own and we are complicit in all of the things that this coat has done. Mm. Right. And and so we can't wonder why folks don't trust us when our very first experience with physicians, you know, was was keeping us alive on a slave ship long enough to be sold at a block. And so I said, you know, it's up, it's up to us. It's not up to the community to come to us to, 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 to restore that trust. It's up to us to restore that trust. And I'm saying all that to say, I think there's a model for how we can include a growing generation of young folks who want to want to repair the relationship. Like we know what harm and what disenfranchisement feels like from the medical community. And we know that our patients are asking for and wanting us to help them understand how food is medicine and how to validate that, that belief, right? Because as soon as you start invalidating what people believe, then you lose them. And we do that mm. as doctors all the time. Oh, well, you know, that's not really, you know, how much sea moss you going to eat to cure cancer or whatever. We'd be belittle it and we don't really meet right. people where they are. But there's a growing body of folks who want to do that. And I think medical education, nursing education, I think there's a model for what Demetrius is saying where we really can call on the dietitians and the nutritionists and the herbalists and even the medical professionals to be a part of this movement. And, and I think there's a way to do that that's teachable and that's scalable and that looks like repair. And and that's my hope. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm an optimist because I'm an oncologist and, you know, I, I have to always be hopeful about, about cancer outcomes. And I am. But I think there is. There's something to this. And I this 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 conversation, it has to we got to plant this seed so something can grow. Amen. I love it. Thank you for listening to Questions You Didn't Ask with me, Naisha Frey, and my guests, Demetrius Hunter, Dr. Monique Gary, and Cameron Smith. 
tune in next week as our series, Harvesting Health Equity, exploring food ways, black farming, and the transformative power of food as medicine continues.